Hello and welcome to Echoes of Glory, Season 9, Episode 27. I'm Jack. I'm Stato. And I'm Kevin. And today we're going to do a special podcast talking all about the 1991 season. So a nostalgic pod today. Um, so, Dad, we're going to hand over to you to talk us through that season, which is one of the your favourite seasons being a Spurs supporter. So take us back to where that season started uh, and the summer before the season actually kicked off. And, and what were the expectations of Spurs fans going into that season? Um yeah, it was it was the summer after Italian ninety. So we had Italian ninety. Obviously, it's the the nineteen ninety one season. So we'd had all of that, and and obviously we had the super, superstar English football. We had Paul Gascoigne playing for us this season. So we all went into quite a lot of high hopes because we had Gaza, we had Linica. Um, so as as normal, you start the season feeling quite confident, hope it's going to be good, and and actually the season started very well. I mean, we um, we started the season um, and we went. We actually went ten league games unbeaten at the start of the season, which for Tottenham's is is very novel. Um, and the first time we lost, we lost we lost at home to Liverpool three one, and I think that was into October. Um, so after and after seventeen league games, we were actually third in the league. So very very high hopes for the for the season. Um, but then obviously classic Spurs style it, it, the second half fell away quite a bit yeah. um, just having a look at the, the fixtures and, and the results for the start of that season so beat Man City at home 3-1 then 0-0 draws with Sunderland and Arsenal uh, then a good 2-0 yeah. away win at Leeds beat Villa at home so you know a, a really really solid start yeah and we, we you know linking into the start of the season you know we had the League Cup and it was when the League Cup was played over two games um, so we, we was making progress in the League Cup as well. Um, in the first in the first first round, it was being the second round of the League Cup. Uh, we got drawn at home with Hartlepool, and I can remember Paul Gascoigne saying after Italian ninety, they were saying to him, "Oh, you know, what's your what what's what haven't you achieved in football?" And he was saying he hadn't scored a hat trick, mm-hmm. and he achieved that against Derby. I think it was about the third, about the fourth or fifth game in the season. Yeah, that's right. And then a, yeah, and then and then a few days after that, we played Hartlepool, and he got four goals in that game. Yeah. So that that hat trick that he scored against Derby, I, presumably you were there. Uh, talk yes. us through the goals because obviously like, a hat trick from midfield is isn't achieved that often. So talk us through the the goals from Gaza in that I can't, game. I can't remember everyone, but there was there was I remember there was an outrageous free kick. There was and two. Two. Peter Shilton was. Yeah. Yeah, Peter Shilton was in goal for Derby, and there was one free kick that he took and scored. And I remember the referee disallowed it for some reason; they weren't ready. They brought it back, and then he put it the other side of Shilton. And I remember Shilton standing in the middle of the goal, not even moving, and just watching the ball and waving his arms and saying, "What? What can I do about that?" Yeah, mate. that was the third one. The, the second one that um, Gascoigne put in there, and Shilton ended yeah. up sort of haplessly. Hands in the side netting, falling into the net. Yeah. I wouldn't say he embarrassed himself, but he was shown up, you know, for his age. He didn't get enough. The first one was a lovely cross shot from Gascoigne. He got into the box. He'd beaten a couple of men and played a cross shot across the box. And Shilton had got a hand to it and couldn't keep it out. So it was very much sort of coming towards the end of his time. Obviously, Italian 90, he was already 40. Um, but yeah, Gascoigne was just imperious at the start of the season. Mm. Absolutely running everything. Just magnificent. 
I think I think he just. I, I remember the Hartlepool game, as I say in the League Cup. Um, we beat them five 0 at home, and I, I actually went to the second leg, which was a night game in Hartlepool. <laughs> and I and I can remember it was a two one win, and, and I can remember getting home about three o'clock in the morning, and then getting up and going to work the following day. Yeah, I mean that's a proper like old school away game. So what what was the Hartlepool ground like? Because I met they were, were they a lower league team at, at this? Yeah, league? Division yeah. Three. Division three, yeah, and and they only they only have three stands, and one they they've got three stands, and there was a brick wall on one side, and they had the brick wall, then you had the road, and then it was the North Sea, so right. that gives you kind of an uh, you know gives you a kind of insight into how bleak that place is in the winter. I mean, luckily that was in September that game, so it wasn't quite as bad, but I'm pretty sure we'd have had coats and jumpers and goodness knows what else on that day. Yeah. I think, as we come on to later, I think it was the day, the year of extreme weather for watching football. Yeah. So talk us through the rest of the, the league campaign. And so we've had a really strong start, but then what happened? Because I'm, I'm just looking at, the, at how we got on and it looks like December was a pretty poor month where we lost quite a few games and started to fall away a little bit. There were, there were some strange, strange games. So, so yeah, as I was saying, 17 league games, we were, we were third in the league. So we've done quite well. But then the remaining 21 games, so, you know, up to 38 games, we only won three out of the last 21 games. Our breakdown of the record was we, we won 11, drew 16, lost 11. 50 goals scored. 50 goals not very good, really. 50 goals in 38 games for Spurs? Yeah. Terrible. And 49 goals conceded. Yeah. So it, it was... And there were some strange games as well. So the two London derbies with Woolwich both ended nil-nil. Wow. Now, I can't remember a last nil-nil with Woolwich for God knows how long, but having two in a season that ended nil-nil, uh, I doubt I, I, that, that's happened previous. It's as rare um, as hen's teeth, right? <laughs> <laughs> we had... We had some really, really dire games. Um, a standout result was when we lost 5-1 at Wimbledon. Um, I was there. I was there as well in the old plough lane. It was absolutely dreadful. Stata might be able to help me with this. I haven't researched this, but there was a looting game at home in December that we won 2-1. Now, I'm pretty sure we ended that game with nine men and looting with ten. That's right. Um, And the Bannon got got two goals. Yeah. Um, Was it Naeem? I think it was. And then Kerry Hughes got sent off. Why I remember him, I don't know, for looting. But he yeah. did the making of Paul Stewart. He dropped back into midfield. That's correct. Absolutely ran the show and actually scored two goals. That's correct, yeah. Uh, and I can... and he was fantastic. It's a good memory there, Kev, because it was a, a standout performance from him. He, he, you know, as we progressed through the season, because we'd, we'd paid like, you know, one and three quarter million for him as a forward from our city, and he, he hadn't really done it. He hadn't really done a lot. And, and as you say, moving back into midfield... Kind of a number ten, I suppose, in a way. Um, it kind of made him, I think, really. Definitely. I'm just looking at some of the results throughout the season. We had eight nil nils in all competitions, which is, you know, it's very rare that in football now you get many nil nils in any game, in any league, in any cups. But to have had that many seems really, really strange. Uh, I think, I think nowadays we'd be going ballistic. I think we 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 had problems in goal. 
leading up to that season. So, you know, Eric Torstep finally become the number one. We'd, we dallied around with Bobby Mims in goal. He was a very promising young goalkeeper. I think we, I think we brought him in from Everton. And we sold him that season to Blackburn. And when he when he came in, everyone was saying, oh, he's great. He couldn't get into the Everton first team, I'm guessing because of Neville Southall. That's I mean, right. Statham might be able to tell me if that's right or not. Um, when he came to Tottenham, he was hopeless. He, 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 he dropped absolutely everything. Mm. And, a, and, a, and a little story about him was he, he used to live in Buckers Hill and he used to li live actually opposite a couple of my friends, uh, Peter and Graham, who he used to go to football with. And they always joked that before a home game, they were going to try and box his car in so he couldn't actually get to the <laughs> game because we thought it would be, a, you know, we thought it would help us out, like, if they did that. Yeah. <laughs> and then I can just see from the league table that we finished the season in 10th in the yeah. end. Um, yeah. Now, was that, uh, back in those days, was that a, a, a sort of a season that was about average for Spurs or were we expecting more? And obviously with the start that we had, we, I imagine that you would have been hoping for maybe a top five or six finish. So to finish 10th, was that disappointing in the league campaign? I think it was par for the course, really. We, we promised a lot and and always kind of failed to achieve. I think the second half of the season, why we tailed away, Gaza got injured. Yeah. And he basically, back in them days, so you would you would save your players for the cup games and maybe miss one or two league games because there wasn't quite as much at stake. If you were mid-table, that's what you did. Yeah. Whereas now, finishing four places higher up the league can net the club eight million, something like that more. There's there's money in it. So I think Gaz are getting injured um, and he was only tending to play the cup games and having operations and goodness knows what else. I think that obviously had something to do with the tail off in the season. And I think when you think about, and I'm going to do a few um, comparisons with this season as well and with the current team, you know, all the moaning we've had this season about the team. Imagine this team only winning three out of 21. Yeah. You know, that's just not good, is it? Not good by any stretch of the imagination. How, how dire that is, really. Yeah, and I can see that the League Cup um, campaign finished with a 3-0 home defeat to Chelsea. Now, that, I mean, that's a pretty painful way to go out of the League Cup. Yeah, I, I can't remember. If, I, if I'm honest, I can't remember much about the game. I, the Sheffield United fourth round tie, I went to that. That was another night match, 2-0 away win yeah. in Sheffield. And I remember going to that, and we played really well that night, really well. Um can't remember too much about Chelsea because we, we played them away. It's old, you know, the old replays. We drew nil nil away of them, and in, and in classic Spurs, lost three nil at home to them. Yeah. I Can think, I just um, mention? I went yeah, to go start, yeah. I went to Stamford Bridge. Um, I was about seventeen, so it was quite brave yeah. of me back in those days. Um, it was one of the worst games I've ever ever <laughs> witnessed. Yeah. And we tried to get back because the highlights were going to be on midweek sports special. Oh, yes, and yeah. I, I got back literally just in time, turned the telly on, and Nick Owen said, and after the break, highlights from Stamford Bridge. And I was determined to find out how they could muster 10 minutes of highlights from this game. <laughs> and I swear to you, no word of a lie, please, please, if you want to, and don't trust me, check the dates. They never came back to that midweek sports special because there was a news, um, breaking news during the advert break, and President Bush had announced the start of what became Desert Storm. Oh, yes, Because the Gulf War was going on at the time. Yeah, yeah. And I still think that that was a massive cover-up for the fact that there were no highlights to show from that day. <laughs> and it was so poor. So <laughs> I sat and waited for about 18 months, and I thought, they're not coming on, you know. So 
Maybe maybe the president was actually a Spurs fan and the game was so bad that it drove him to war. Maybe, but, but I mean, it got worse yeah. in the replay because they handed us... I think Townsend ran the show from memory. Mm. He did score in that yeah. game because I saw it earlier. And, you know, obviously the famous George Bush Sr. Um, saved the nation from having to sit through Spurs, Chelsea Spurs. Yeah. Well, we, you know, grateful for that at least. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, this this season, obviously, uh, as you've already mentioned, it, it is all about the FA Cup, right? Yes. So, yeah. Obviously, talk us through that cup run because you, you were at every game. Is that correct? I went to every single match, yes. Yeah, talk, and, and, talk us through it then, from the from the first game that we had in, in the FA Cup that season all the way through, and what your experience of the game was. Talk to us, you know, like about what the stadium was. Had you been there before? Um, yeah. Just give, give us all the information on the cup run. Well, I, well, I mentioned earlier about weather. And in, in the third round, we was away at Blackpool. Now, Blackpool in January, Blackpool in August isn't great, but go there in yeah. January... <laughs> Uh, on on top of that, you've got they're blowing a gal, and I was talking to Mrs. Latcher earlier, and she can remember go, me going, and they were actually talking about evacuating Blackpool at one point because the tide was so high and the waves were crashing in. So it goes to the ground, it's lashing with rain, and I can remember having a coat on, hood up, about you know 15 jumpers. They've got a really low stand on one side of the ground, and I can remember. Quite early in the game, Eric Torsford had taken the goal kick and literally put it in the air and the, and the wind blew the ball over the stand. And that, that isn't exa- exaggeration. It was an absolute banana skin game where you've just got to get through it. And we, 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 we got through it. And um, Paul Stewart got the only goal, I think I can remember off the top of my head, from a, from a Gaza free kick. Yeah. Um, and it, again, it's a classic cup away game where... You don't have to be at your best. All you've got to do is get the result. Yeah. So we, we managed to get through um, the third round. And, and then we had some quite favourable draws that year. So we, we, we got drawn at home then in the next round to Oxford. Yeah. Who, you know, we should be absolutely comfortably. We, we won the game 4-2. Um, but it was classic Spurs, you know, you, you, you're in the driving seat, you're 3-1 up, and then they get a goal back. It, it was a bit like that all the way through. It was a game we, we, we tried to lose, or at least tried to draw, but, but we managed just about to get through. You know, 4-2, it's pretty comfortable in the end for, for the fourth round. And then I think one of my favourite ever cup games is, I mean, we in the fifth round, we, we got drawn away and played at Portsmouth. Yeah. And... It was, a, it was a couple of days before my... It was around about my birthday in the middle of February, and I can remember, because the two weeks previous to that, there'd been no football. We'd had snow on the ground for two solid weeks, mm. and there was no football. And in come about the Thursday, um, it the snow went. We didn't think the game was going to be on, and then the, the game was on. Um, so off we went down to Portsmouth. Um, we go to goal down right on half time. Um, I do believe it was Mark Chamberlain that scored the goal, um, and he missed. He, he, I still maintain to today he actually mishit the shot and beat Torsfit on the near post. Um, and then we come out in the second half, and it was totally and utterly Gazza inspired. Um, he scored both goals. In, he, he got a header, and he got another one where he just dropped his shoulder and put the ball in the corner, and it was. Both of them goals were down our end, and we was right behind that goal. And it was it was absolutely superb. Absolutely, yeah, that sounds brilliant. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let, 
I'm going to let Stato jump in there, but see if he's got any memories of like third, fourth and fifth round. Just what you were saying, I mean, the, I was at the Oxford game, which was at the home match, and again, it was a virtuoso performance from Gascoigne. Mm. Um, brilliant goals, just, you know, beating four or five players. Um, you know, OK, Oxford were, you know, the, in league, well, the first division was the Premier League, as it was then. Um, so they were in the second tier then, but he just absolutely carried us, didn't he? Yeah. We, we were essentially dreadful. All the league games we were losing, and we go to Portsmouth, and he's a one-man show. And he's injured. You know, you can see he's wearing, I mean, I wouldn't even call them cycling shorts. He was wearing neoprene. You know, like the material they make um, wetsuits out of. Yeah. He's wearing that type of short under his football shorts to keep himself warm because he's got this groin injury. Um, and he ended up, I think, was it a hernia operation he had? The one that I think it was, yeah, uh, I think it was, it was the groin. It was between the quarterfinal and the semi, wasn't it? That's and he right. didn't play. So, um, we, yeah, we, the, the quarterfinal, we, we, we had Notts County at home and it, and it, you know, a really, really winnable game. And I remember going a goal, we went a goal behind in it. I, I can't remember who scored for them, but it, it was Don Reardon. It was a left foot shot into the top corner at the park lane end. I can remember that. It, it absolutely flew in. Um, and in the second half, you know, we, we, we get back in the game. We didn't play at all well. And the game was televised live on the BBC. And there's quite a famous thing on the BBC. There's Jimmy Hill will be known to, as a pundit he was, he'd be known to the older generation of us, like, you know, he's no longer with us. And he um, called for Paul Gascoigne to be pulled off, you know, brought off at half time because he wasn't fit and he wasn't up with the game. And that was probably true. But... Gaza being Gaza, he gets a chance with a minute to go. It's right near the end of the game. It might have been about a minute to go. And he puts it straight in the bottom corner. And obviously that then puts us into the semi-final. Yeah. And at what point in this cup run are you are you starting to get really excited about, you know, potentially winning it? Was it getting past Notts County or was it the, you know, the, the win against Portsmouth or were you literally just sort of taking it game by game? I think I think back in them days, Jack, the, the cup had a lot more bearing. We we were pretty dire in the league. It's not, you know, again, I'm going to do a comparison. I think the last what is it? The last ten seasons, I think we finished in the top six in the Premier League. Now, um, back in them days, you know, if we was in the top six, we were getting a nosebleed. Yeah, I mean, you finished we were... third the season before. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, you're right. Essentially, it was uh, slim pickings, as it would yeah. go on to be throughout the nineties. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, you know, it, it was the old thing, you know, again, chopping and changing the manager and keep chopping and changing the team where you need that stability and that, you know. Um, obviously, you know, Gaza, Gaza, this was his last season with us and then Lineker went the following season. So, you know, again, we, we, at the time we were losing our best players, you know, again, we're winding the clock back probably now, you know, 10, 15 years, all the things that you can't afford to do. Um, so yeah, no, it was that's that's how it is. As Stato says, that's how that's how it used to be, really. Yeah. I mean, we were on the verge of financial meltdown because in October the stock exchange suspended sale of our shares. Um, the Midland Bank were on the verge of foreclosing us, so literally, you know, liquidating us. Um, they saw that it would be, um, you know, not a good move, you know, business-wise, to clear out a football team. They thought it would be a negative and they managed to, to negotiate with the club and, and we managed to stay afloat 
but only with the agreement that Gascoigne would be sold um, a vast sum. I mean, it was a, was it five and a half million? Yeah, the, uh, the, the, the original fee was eight and a half, and then obviously yep. when he did his knee, then it got reduced to five and a half. But I think we was about we was about 17, 18 million in debt, and most of that was caused by the refurbishment of the East Stand. I think I remember yeah. it, it, it overrun. And when you think now, 18 million in debt, it sounds, you know, a drop in the ocean now, doesn't it? It's only 30 years ago. Yeah. And then just going back to that cup run, obviously that meant that we played Arsenal in the yeah. final. So um, the draw for the semi-final, did, did you know during the Notts County game that it would be Arsenal in the next round or was, there, was the draw made after that? No, it was properly done in those days. It was afterwards. Yeah. yeah. So at the point where you realise, cool, we've got Arsenal, and Arsenal back then were, were one of the top sides in the league, right? What What was your reaction when you knew we had Arsenal in the semi-final? I, I knew it'd be tough. I, I, I think that was the year that Arsenal only lost one league game. And one I think league only... game and one league cup game. That's all they lost all season before yeah. that match. Yeah. Uh, so we were, I would say, probably on a normal game, I, I would have said probably going into that game, it was probably 80-20 in favour of them winning. I don't think there was that I think that's about right. Definitely. We were well, well underdogs there. Yeah. And I think going into it, it was all, all strange because there was a big argument about playing the semi-final at Wembley and a lot of people were unhappy about it being at Wembley. It was the right choice when it was the North London derby to play at Wembley, yeah. rather than as we did, you know, 10 years later when we all tracked up to Old Trafford for a semi. I know at the time, you know, Wembley was being rebuilt, but, you know, it, it was absolutely common sense. And it was, it was I, I, don't, I think I remember right, it was a Sunday at midday that they, they had the, the had the kickoff. Yeah, um, that's right. Talk to us about you know the, the build up to that game. So you know, so you, so you're getting the train over to Wembley. I, I take it that the trains are packed with Spurs, well, we, Arsenal fans. Yeah, we actually did something a bit strange for the semi because there was there was eight of us that got tickets, uh, and 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 your and your mum your mum was at the semi final as well. There was eight of us that got tickets, and what we decided to do because we thought there'd be trouble on the train, we actually drove to Wembley. Believe it or not, sounds absolute madness. We did that too. And it was it was seven quid to park the car, um, and you know so split between you know you had four pair, cut the quid each, um, and then we just thought well we were th our thinking was well when we lose we've not got to put up with them all on the train that was kind of that was the kind of the mentality of it Jack yeah so then you get you get into the ground whereabouts were you sat. Well, we were so. So obviously, you've got to go back. It was the it was the old Wembley. So, and it although it was April, it was a freezing day. It was quite oh. cold. I can remember it being really cold. You know, seven eight degrees, like for for early April was cold. And we 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 had the tunnel end. So we were the tunnel end at Wembley for that game. And then obviously Woolwich were at the other end. Yeah. And then to talk us through the game, so that, was there much speculation about whether or not Gaza was going to be fit to play the game? Were, were, you, were there concerns amongst Spurs fans that he wouldn't be playing at all? Or was it a case of whatever's going to happen, he'll be starting because, you know, the FA Cup's really all we've got left this season? I think I think it was what you just said, Jack. It, it, the FA Cup was all that we had left. It was plainly obvious he wasn't going to be fully fit, but he was a hell of a lot better than what else we had in reserve. You know, we, we were quite... Quite a poor team, really. What 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 that team had though was was a good spine to it, 
and and I've got a theory with teams. You've got you've got to have a good spine. So we had Tallsfet, who was a decent goalkeeper, the great Gary Mabbott, Paul Gascoigne, and Lineker. So you've got that spine. Um, I know Gary we, Mabbott has always been one of your favourites, isn't he? Is it one of your favourite Spurs captain? For, to to people that are maybe listening and are not too familiar with Gary Mabbott, like what what did he have that for you, you know, made him such a likable player? I just think because he, he he was he was quite a gentleman as well off the pitch. I think he like his his illness and things like that. Obviously, we all like that because he could still you know perform at the highest level. I think it's just the way he was quite assured and calm. What he did, um, he, he in my time of watching Tottenham, um, is this is is my second favourite captain after the great Steve Perryman. But I think again we've we've. I think this is a problem again with the current team. We we haven't had the captain. We uh, I think all great teams have a, have a good captain. Look back Tottenham, Mackay, Blanchflower. When you're winning trophies, you've got that captain. And I think I've got nothing against Hugo personally, but we're lacking that captain. We have lacked that captain for a, for a while, probably arguably since Ledley um, retired. We haven't had, and I think you need that leader. Mm-hmm. And you need a good spine to the team. You need someone who can score goals, which we had in Gary Lineker, and you need a dominant midfield player. Mm-hmm. And I think again, with the current team, we've lacked that dominant midfield player. Yeah. Um, you know, Ericsson's been good in some games and then not good in others. Um, so, but so that, that's what a, I feel. There's a physical presence as well, right? I, I know technically, and I, you know, I, I never got to really see him live properly. Um, but the, from the highlights and that, you know, you see him scoring loads of skillful goals. But he was a he was a big physical midfielder as well. He's the type of player that would dominate games. You know, you put your foot on it, put a tackle in, things like that. Type of things you hear Roy King talking about a lot. Yeah. Um, it was a bit like again when Ledley used to play. We had that lift. He was saying last week, you know, yeah. it, you know, you had that lift every time he was in the team, and it was the same with Gaza. You know, as soon as he, he was out there, you, you, you know, you had the chance. So. Uh, it was what we did. We did a, quite a few things well in that game, you know. Obviously, there there was the start, you know, and getting that free kick. And I, and I can still remember it as if it was yesterday. And getting that free kick. And I can remember actually in the grand saying, "You've got to go for goal." And I and I moan about this now with with current players. You're anywhere within thirty yards. Go for goal. Mm. Go for goal every time. Um, so it. it that free kick, as, as Barry Davis says on the commenting, was, you know, one of the finest free kicks that stadium's ever seen. Yeah. And, and I can remember, we just we just couldn't believe it. Yeah. We just absolutely could not believe it. Um, when that uh, can, can you try and describe what... Because a goal against Arsenal is always celebrated, you know, so much more yeah. than a goal against any other team anyway. But given this situation, an FA Cup semi-final at Wembley, the underdogs, and it's an absolute screamer, yeah, can can you even put into words how crazy everybody was going when that went in? It it was there were people because it was the older and bucket seats at Wembley. There were people actually falling down four or five rows, yeah. you know, because it, it it really was like that. I mean, we we just couldn't believe it, you know, absolutely couldn't believe it. And just the way we come out the blocks that day, it it was extraordinary, you know. It was you get you know the, the adrenaline builds up inside you and all of that. It was it was truly amazing, all of it. Absolutely, yeah. truly amazing. And then after and, that free kick goes in and, and we take the lead, talk us through the, then, then the next stages of that game. Well, you know, going 2-0 up, I think, I think it was in about the 10th minute we're 2-0 we're, we're up. And 
again Gascoigne. I think it was Paul Davis who was playing on the on the uh, kind of like wide for for Arsenal on the left of midfield, and just the way he he plays the ball and then he shimmers a run, dummies a run, and comes back crosses the ball across across the middle and and obviously Arsenal are at sixes and sevens and 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 Lineker prods it in mm-hmm. and it was kind of a Arsenal just were all at sea and what Terry Venables when he really tactically that day he played the five across the middle and what that did for me was it nullified Arsenal's strength Arsenal they were a strong team weren't the greatest Arsenal team ever their back four was immense. Yeah. And what we kind of did was we nullified their back four because whereas you'd have two up front and Adams and Boulder, whoever was playing Keown or whatever, that they would mark, they would mark, you know, be up there and mark the players. Um, they didn't really know what to do. And Lineker was really then kind of just running from deep and getting in behind them. And we were getting the ball wide, getting in behind uh, Dixon. I think it was Winterburn was playing. Um, so we completely and utterly outfoxed them. In them first ten minutes, yeah, and, and obviously you know, thing. Sorry to bone, Kevin. No, it's fine. Um, Lee Dixon was actually one of their main. Like a lot of their attacks began with him. Yeah, and we housed on him. So the fifth midfielder, kind of, I wasn't saying was man marking their right back, but everything started through him. Yeah, and just pressed him like pressing wasn't a thing back then, and it no, made such a right. difference. Yeah. And I think I think actually when they got the goal back just before half time, I think it was a Lee Dixon cross, was it to Alan Smith? Yeah. I might be wrong. Yeah, exactly what you're just saying was that was the ball in for Alan Smith. So yeah, they they got back in classic Spurs, you know, style. We we dominated really the first half, and and obviously they'd got one back right before half time. So it was two one, and it was you know squeaky bum time basically. What then, were you yeah. thinking at half time at that point? Because obviously there's a break that you know the teams go back into the change rooms. What what are you doing at half time? Are you are you buzzing because we're two one up, or are you thinking, oh God, we've let them back in? Like what were your emotions at that point of the game? To- totally thinking the worst. Totally thinking the worst. Because I knew, you know, we weren't great defensively all season. And we would really need something special in the second half. You know, it, the old adjective, you know, the next goal is the one that really counts. Yeah. Um, and, and, that, and, that's, and that's the way it proved to be. Um, the second half they come out, and they, you know, they were all over us. But they didn't really create loads and loads of chances, at the, you know, at the start there. And then, and then obviously we got the goal, and I, I think, I can't remember exactly that, I think it was around 70 minutes, 75 minutes, something like that, I'm yeah. sure I know the exact minute, um, but Gary Lineker, again, you know, he was always accused of just poking the ball in from six yards, but that goal that day, um, I think Gary Mabbott, I think, won the tackle originally, and then Lineker picked it up on the halfway line, and, and basically he ran forward, and he didn't have no support. There weren't no one there. Gazza had gone off after an hour because he'd got cramped. So, you know, he lasted an hour. And he just, he had nowhere to go. So I think that forced him that then he ran at, he ran at Tony Adams and then got in a half-decent shot from 20 yards and it went straight through Seaman's hands. Mm-hmm. And at that point, you know, we went absolutely mad at, at our end of the ground, you know, because to have the two-goal lead again um, was brilliant, was brilliant, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then those last 15 minutes then when we're we're 3-1 up, at what point did you start to really enjoy it? Or was it just literally, it felt, even though it was a two-goal cushion, it felt like we were hanging on? When you got back to the car, Kev? (laughs) Sorry? Yeah, 
I can remember just after we scored, they went up the other end, and I think Kevin Campbell hit the bar where he should have scored, yeah. and he came out to Paul Merson, and then he, he hit a shot, and he just went wide. And at that point, I thought, mm, this might be our day today. Yeah. This might be our day. But I can remember even when we got, we got the 90 minutes, we got into injury time, and I still wasn't convinced. And I, I'll never forget, there was a guy in the row in front of us who was just saying, calm down, calm down. They've got, they've got to score two goals to take this into extra time. He said, but we're home and dry here, like, you know. And obviously the relief at the final whistle, all the emotions come out, you know, because you take a lot of stick at work. We were going to get hammered. This was going to happen to us and that was going to happen to us. So the emotions were brilliant. And I think probably my favourite, one of my favourite Tottenham Arsenal events happened not long after that because they were going for the double. So it was all about them winning the double. They were going to win the league because they were way in front, and it was all about them winning the double. And I remember them trooping off. The, the Arsenal end had emptied, and they were trooping off the Woolwich lot down, down the tunnel, and we were chanting to them, where's your double gone? Yeah. And every time I see Paul Merson on TV, or he, he gets a little sniping about Spurs, or he writes something negative about us on Sky Sports, oh, Kane should leave, or this, I, think, I always think back to that. And I think I've had my moment against you, so I'll let you have your little snipes, but nothing's going to take that away from me. Amazing. And in terms of sort of, you know, we did a, a North London derby special last week. Is that is that your best victory over Arsenal? Uh, it has to be the best best one I've seen. You mentioned a couple last week. You, you, you know, the, 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 I think Stata mentioned the 5-0 league game that I was at and the Mark Falco volleys you were mentioning. The cup, the 5-1 cup game was good. There was one, very briefly, there was one you missed. There was a 3-1 victory at Arsenal, which was in the early 80s when Mickey Hazard scored. I think that was an Easter game. And that was one of my favourite ones as well, because any win at Woolwich was brilliant anyway. Yeah. There's no footage but, of that, is it? It's hard, unless you were there, it's hard to, yeah. to recall that one, because Mickey says that was his finest ever goal. He, he, yeah, he scored after about seven, eight minutes from about 20 yards, and it was in front of the North Bank. I can remember it as if it was yesterday. Strange, really, you know. And that's getting on for 40 years ago. So it's yeah. very, uh, as the missus says, I can't remember something I did like yesterday, but I can re remember that like, you know. But that's brilliant. I mean, 3-1 against Arsenal, FA Cup, some oh. incredible. And then that, that set us up for the final against Nottingham Forest. So, again, the, the, the build-up and the, the day of that match, when you wake up and you know today's FA Cup final day, I'm going to the ground. What were your feelings and emotions just before the game was starting? It, it's great because it, it was it was actually then you know sounds strange Jack because we haven't made a cup final since you've been around yeah. um, and that was actually my fourth cup final going to Tottenham that's the fourth final in eleven years so yeah. so going wasn't it, it, it was still special but we'd done it I'd kind of done it before a couple of times we'd obviously lost to the Coventry four years previous that was pretty bad. Um, a funny story leading up to the final, this makes Stutter laugh, was uh, about about five days before the final, on the Monday or the Tuesday, I, I'd ended up having a bit of an accident at work. You're going to like this one, Stato. And what had happened was, so I'm doing like my carpentry work and we're putting windows in and someone had left a little bit of glass behind me and I wasn't aware of it. And I turned around and I cut myself on this bit of glass. Weren't just anywhere, right across the cheek of my backside. And I ended up <laughs> so straight through my jeans. So off I went to the hospital. 
four stitches in the backside four days before the cup final. Oh so I actually, I actually went to Wembley. It was quite uncomfortable sitting down. So I actually went to Wembley with like a cushion um, that I that I could prop <laughs> under one that I could prop under one side of me to take the pressure, let's just say, off of the other side of me. Brilliant. So, so every time every time we actually we were standing up, it was it was a relief. That's all I can say. It was a relief. Amazing. Um, so, so the actual the actual game. I'm just looking at the the teams here, and there's Roy Keane playing yep. for um, yes. Forest in in the centre of midfield. Um, obviously, Stuart Pearce at fullback, who who scored for them, and, and Nigel Clough up, up top. Now, talk yep. us through the actual game then. So, obviously, it, it it kicks off, and you know what what are you feeling at, at that point when you know the game's underway, um, and obviously they get the free kick fairly early on. Now, I've I've watched this game back and there's actually the the full 90 minutes of this game online um yeah. which is brilliant to watch and, and the the pierce free kick after 16 minutes is an absolute screamer um but Ga- there was the gaza tackle wasn't there that, that led well to- it, it yeah it was the gaza tackle that led to that free kick so it was uh, i do believe i'm right in saying that again you yeah. know gaza come out hyped up like anything he called someone on the chest uh, with his studs, he was absolutely hyper. You could see he was going to throw himself into everything. And, yeah, we couldn't believe it. You know, he, he obviously um, brought down, I think it was a young fullback playing for them, not Forrest. He brought him down. Gary um, Charles. Gary Charles, that's the guy's name. And, um, yeah, he went down injured. Uh, the, the trainer come on, had a look at him, and then Pierce stepped up. Hit the free kick, it just flew in. No, no keeper in the world would say, but you're sitting there thinking, Oh my god, I'm not there, Kev, because it was a brilliant strike. Yeah, there was a foul in the wall. Lee Glover pushes Mabber out of the way. Forrest That's didn't correct. win this, and I, I, I knew this because I, I wasn't a referee at all then, anything like yeah. that. But I'd seen them do it in a, I think they got to the League Cup final that year. And they'd yeah. done it semi-final against Coventry because so many games weren't televised then. We had more than like yeah. had been previously, but you're looking at six to eight live games a year, Jack. Yeah, wow. On the Sunday match, yeah. like the the program, the match, and um, so if that goal hadn't, you know, if the referee had seen it, he could have disallowed it for a foul on the wall. I think also back in them days, you know. Uh, Unlike now, like now, every game gets scrutinised, absolutely every single game. So something like that would get picked up. Referees would be aware that that was happening, wouldn't they? Yeah. And obviously the famous VAR would step in now. Yeah. So I think, you know, that's where where the game again has changed, isn't it, quite a lot over the last 30 years. Yeah. So what are you thinking at that point? The free kick's just gone in the top corner. Gaza's gone off injured. Are you thinking... Well, yeah, well, I'm thinking we're all right. And then when we see the stretcher come on and Gaza going off injured, I'm thinking, oh, my God, this just just, just isn't happening. So, but we but we played well. And then we had the, we had the Gary Lineker penalty where um, Lineker went round the keeper, was brought down, should have arguably been ascending off. Could have been a red card, yeah. Because it was, I mean, nowadays it would, would definitely be. Um, and then Lineker comes up and has, has his penalty save. I think it was only the second penalty missed in a final after John Aldridge a couple That's of years fine. before against yeah. Wimbledon, I think, for Liverpool. And then you're, you're just thinking to myself, God, is, is this actually going to be our day? And, and we go in at half-time um, a goal down and we're all a bit 
nervous that the, the Coventry thing four years previous is still in your mind, yeah. you know, and it, it's... I don't think you ever enjoy a cup final until you... you I, I, the City replay I probably enjoy, but I, I don't think you enjoy a cup final. You just you just want to get over the line with it all, I think, really. You enjoy it afterwards, and if you watch it back, you enjoy it. I think that's what you do. Yeah. There was one other thing, Jack, was that Lineker had had a perfectly good goal disallowed as well in the first he half. He had, yeah. Where he got flagged for offside when you could actually see the lines of the grass that he was, um, he was clearly onside, like, you know, a couple of feet onside clearly. Yeah, it's mad, isn't it? Because you know all the all the controversial things in this first half. That you know potentially their free kick with VAR would have been disallowed. Yeah. Linica's goal would have been allowed. Potentially the goalkeeper would have been sent off. It could have been a completely different game. Equally, Jack, Gaza could have been sent off for either of his challenges, mm. and he was booked for neither. Yeah. Well. So you know a bit of bit of levity there. It, it yeah. wasn't just injustice on our part, but. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and then talk to us about the second half then. So we actually we scored fairly early on in the second half, didn't we? So we did what, it. What was the yeah, it was there. It was yeah, it was Paul Stewart. It was that it was down our end of the ground as well. And and I think as Stato said earlier, we we're talking about the Luton match that was kind of like the making of Paul Stewart, which I I would totally agree with. And and he kind of to me took the mantle on from Gascoigne in that final. He he, he played, had a really good game. Yeah, and it was it was a lovely goal, a nice finish. He just got played through. Um, and, and, and clicked it into the corner. Lovely finish. I can. Remember, I, I do believe. I think he ran behind the goal in his celebration, yeah. um, because we were kind of as he ran round, he kind of come round to our side. Um, sadly, if you watch watch the game back, I think me me and the missus are on it quite a few times in the crowd. You can yeah. see us quite a lot at times in the crowd, which is quite nice. Um, and then we we were we were definitely the better team in the second half. And I can remember. We nearly won it on full time, um, and that will, will tell me the exact players. But we had a corner in the, in the last minute, and it was a header. I think it was from Howes or Sedgley. I can't Paul remember. Walsh. Who, who, Paul Walsh was it, and it was it was either headed off the line or saved right on the line. It, it was a whisker from going it in. Really, in the last it minute. really looped up and actually That's hit the, the top one. of the crossbar. That's the one. Yeah, yeah. Um, so obviously then we, we, we go into extra time and uh, we scored quite early on in extra time we, 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 with the own goal and it, it kind of was, was strange because you know Gary Mabbott had got the, uh, the unfortunate own goal in 87 and it, and it was Dead Walker's uh, time this time to, to head into his own net. I still can't quite work out what he was doing. But in Ironically, the ground, they'd announced it as Mabbott's goal because Mabbott was the one who jumped with him and, and they, they didn't did, yeah. know that, that Walker had actually got the old, yeah. the key touch. So we and were like thinking it's just brilliant, you know, justice for, for the own goal four years before. Four years previous. And, 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 and at that point then, so you you know, you go in front in the FA Cup final early on in extra time. Is it is it at this point that you're now thinking we're going to win it? I did, I did, I did think that then, and I'll tell you why. Because um, the Forest manager was Brian Clough, and there'd been an awful lot made about him. He'd never won the FA Cup, and it'd be, oh, it'd be great if he won the FA Cup and all of that. It would be the end of his career, and you know, it would. Um, and when they did the team talk for um, extra time, he sat in the dugout, Clough. He never moved a muscle. Yeah. And Venables had everyone standing around him and was drilling it in, and 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 that kind of, I think gave us a little bit of lift and I, I can't remember too much about extra time I know that Forrest didn't have many chances they come down our end a little bit but but 
Stacker, correct me if I'm wrong, but we were, we were quite comfortable in extra time, quite comfortable. Nothing really memorable happened. I can't say that I've, you know, I've watched it back recently, but um, yeah, it was it's reasonably uneventful. Yeah, yeah, and um, and obviously in uh, um, when I, when they went up, up and actually, uh, so it, it's always that great feeling when the final whistle goes and you know you've won. It's, it's absolutely brilliant. You, you, the, the adrenaline runs through you. All the emotion comes over you. That's what you want to see as a fan. Yeah. You know. Um, put trophies on the sideboard, so to speak, and um, and obviously then you know again as with the, you know the great Steve Perriman going up to lift the cup two years running, then you know Gary Mabbott, um went and got the cup, and I, I think it was um, I think Diner and Charles were at the game if I remember yeah. rightly. Yeah, um, amazing. Um, and and obviously it's great, and the feeling you know when you, you lift the cup and. It's it's always nice you watch the opposite end empty out and, and they bring the cut round your end and you just it's just absolutely it's a fantastic day and it and it's and it, it's a bit being a bit negative now. It's a sad reflection on the club. We've not been to a final since then. Yeah. Thirty years it will be next season since we've even got to an FA Cup final. Well yeah, as you as you said earlier, I'm twenty six now and we haven't haven't seen it in my lifetime, which is just no, it's no. mad, isn't it? And as well, well like all these stories that obviously I've grown up with you telling me the FA Cup to definitely to to both you guys, but even more so to me from hearing all these stories means so much. To, to have never experienced that final still is, yeah. seems absolutely mad, and it's not as if we haven't had the opportunity in recent years. We've had so many no, semi finals. I think I think Jack. I think when you look back on it, yeah, it was two and a half years before you were born. So you know, it was yeah. it, it's it was a long time ago. And yeah, when we look back on the, I think it's eight semi finals that we've lost now on the trot. Um, and as I said to you before, I went to seven, and then when we played May United two years ago, and I said to you and your brother Hugo, because I couldn't put myself through it again. Yeah. That and was I the thought... one for me, you know. Like, I look, I look, we don't. There's a lot of reflection going on at the moment, anyway, given the you know the current situation that everybody's in, and you reflect on football, and you think it's such a shame that Poch wasn't the one to have broke the FA Cup duck. Yeah, yeah. I think in such a fitting thing for him to have to have, have done for us, and that United loss was. That was one that it was that was it really really hurt that defeat. Poor poor game. I think you know we lost a couple of semis to Woolwich. We we lost to Newcastle. We lost to you know uh, Everton, Portsmouth. I think we lost a couple to Chelsea, May United. You know, so we lost. We should have probably got through against Newcastle, arguably Portsmouth, definitely, and Everton and Everton. Which was a few years after that. We just had one of them days. We lost four one. It was never a four one match. Maybe you know we might have deserved to lose by one goal. But yeah, we just haven't been able to get over the line for the semis, from the semis into the final. It, it, it disappoints me. We're not being you know, Millwall and West Ham have played in FA Cup finals since we last got there. We've we've got to put that right at some point. Yeah. We've got to put that right. Yeah. Well, you hope, don't you? Given that football does work in cycles, that you know, we, it will it will come back again at some point. Now, you, you talked about obviously Gascoigne a lot. Um, yeah. You mentioned Lineker quite a lot as well. How do both of those two players rank in terms of like the the greatest Spurs players that you've seen? I think I think I think Gary Lineker gets a little bit of a raw deal, um, if I'm honest with you. And and when we pick teams and we we pick our favourite teams and our favourite forwards and best forwards. Is, is is not often included. And I often think, and I, and I was thinking about this today, you know, 
I, I, you know, I like to put Jimmy Greaves in. You obviously have Kane. You know, everyone loves Klinsman because of the year he had. You got Teddy Sheringman, you got Defoe. You know, but Lineker really scored a lot of goals in a poor team, mm. yeah. and that's always that's always a good sign of a of, of a good player. Um, and I don't think he quite gets the credit he deserves. A lot of people accuse him of being anti-Tottenham on television. I don't necessarily buy into that. I think it's his BBC side of him where he's trying to remain neutral and not, not be too biased. I, personally, I'd sooner see someone like Ian Wright on who's completely biased to the team he used to play for. I don't have a problem with that personally. Um, but I, I, I don't think he gets the credit he deserves. Um, the goalkeeper, Eric Tulsfer, he was, a, he was a decent keeper as well. We've had better keepers. Um, but then the, the, the team seemed to gel around them players, you know, and I, and I think, again, comparing it to the, to the current team, we've lacked, we've got good, we've had good players. Kane Argaby's gone into the world class, but we haven't had that really, really top or two top really world, world class players. Gascon was at the time, arguably Lineker was at the time, to get us over the line in some things. Yeah. If you had to pick between having an in his prime Paul Gascoigne or an in his prime Glenn Hoddle, who would you rather have? Uh, it's difficult, Jack, because Glenn, Glenn is the best Tottenham player I've still seen play for the club, in, in, in my opinion, most gifted player. Different generations. I think nowadays, I think probably I'd still have Glenn, but, but they're both very, very close, very close. I, I don't think... Glenn was good, but Gaza in that early period of that, that season, as, as Stato was saying earlier, absolutely dominated games. Absolutely yeah. dominated them. Yeah. And if Gaston hadn't got injured, Jack, he could have gone on to be um, held in the same esteem as a Maradona. Mm-hmm. I honestly don't think that's an exaggeration. Mm-hmm. But the injury and then things he asked, you know, he did to himself by... He's, it's hard to say mental state just because the guy was just, he had an addictive personality. He wasn't particularly well educated. He was, um, if I'm on it, this is going to be sound really harsh to Tottenham fans. For his sake, I wish he'd gone to Man United, not Tottenham, because Ferguson would have kept him on a, a, a closer range. Mm. And I think um, Venables indulged him. Yeah. And I think he would have been a different person and a different player under Ferguson, and England would have won World Cups with him. Um, it didn't happen, and that's that's what it is. But he he was a phenomenal player. Um, but once he got that injury, he lost that ability to surge past people. Mm. He just physically didn't. It's like when you get an ACL uh, or Achilles injury, you can never run as powerfully or as fast as you used to. Yeah. And his was just a just a horrific knee injury, which was self, you know, induced, and probably down to his, like you said, the way he was hyped up. Tottenham probably should have given him a sedative or something, and they probably gave him Red Bull or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. And pumped him up and pumped him up and pumped him up. But you know, it's what it is. He was a, a phenomenal player. My biggest regret is that the season before we let Waddle go because of the financial situation. If we'd have had Waddle, Gascon, and Lineker, because Lineker signed, thinking Waddle was going to be giving him, you know, the bullets, and we sold him for four and a half million and never replaced him. Yeah, but Lineker I think, was still outstanding, as, as your dad says. 
Yeah, he 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 was he was amazing. I think his stat quite rightly says. I, I remember you know Waddle getting sold, and it was back in the days where you'd pick the newspaper up and see yeah. it in the morning, and and you know it just thought, oh my god. I, I know your your wife, my missus, was devastated. Your mum was devastated, Jack, when we sold Waddle. She said she was threatening not to go again because yeah. because of that. But I think Stato's right. I think you look back, I think what he was saying earlier about, you know, the high high boot in the chest in the first few minutes of that cup final. Could have arguably got a red card nowadays. Yeah. And, and you know, if, that, if he'd have been sent off, then that injury might not have happened. And you don't know where yeah. he was gone. Yeah. And obviously, Jack has, you know, when you set up um, a couple of years ago when we actually met him outside Wembley when they were doing that photo shoot, it, it was nice to meet the guy, shake his hand and chat to him for, you know, a minute or so. But, yeah... Um, he, he's he's kind of like they always used to call him Peter Pan, the, the boy that never grew up. And I think when you li you look back on some of the old stories that they tell, and what Stato was saying about Venables was right, he did indulge him. Arguably, he, he may have got the best out of him because he kind of indulged him a bit in Euro '96, and near enough got the best out of him again then. Mm. Um, but it, it, it's funny, yeah, players signing for different clubs and how they would work out. But, you know, yeah, I think, you know, for the short time he did play for us, it, it feels like he was with us for, for longer than he was. Um, but he was an amazing player to watch live, mm. absolutely amazing. You mentioned there about when we did meet him when they were doing those photos outside Wembley um, yeah. when we were playing our home games there. And what game did you talk to him about? And he'd said, oh, I'd had a big drink the night before. It was the Portsmouth. It was the Portsmouth Cup game that we spoke about. That the 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 two one at the two one at Portsmouth. Yeah, and he and he said the night before he, he'd had about seven or eight drinks the night before that game. Incredible, no, incredible. You know, it was absolutely when you listen to that, it's absolutely extraordinary. Yeah. Because again, you know, as Stato said, you know, with the right type of training now, and you know, he'd have been off the booze a little, you know, quite a lot more. You know, some footballers are still on it, but he'd have been off the booze. Um, a hell of a lot more than he was then. Probably added, you know, a bit more psychology and other things around the club and, and people exactly. keeping an eye on. But I think also we we should also, you know, give a shout out to Gary Mabber because Gary Mabber, you know, great captain as he was for Tottenham, has always kept an eye on Gascoigne moving forward. When Gas has been ill or if he's been in trouble, you often hear him on the radio talking or, you know, and he's given, I think, Gascoigne a lot of support off the pitch over the years as well, which has been which has been much needed for him. Yeah, and you said about him being a gentleman and, and we had the pleasure of meeting Gary Mabber, didn't we, in Madrid yes. for the Champions League final. And he was clearly in charge of trying to get all of the legends some transport. And there were probably about 40 or 50 Spurs fans there that were obviously going up to all of those players yeah. and pestering them. And they were all, but Mabbott especially, so nice and willing to stand and chat to you and have photos. And it just confirms what you said really about, you know, great player on the pitch, but also a, a, a proper proper gentleman off the field as well. Yeah, it, it, it's nice, you know, and, and we've been lucky enough, you know, to, to, to meet a few of the players over the years, a few of the old players, you know, Martin Chivers and that, and I've, I, you know, I've got Steve Perryman and Glenn Oldham on my bucket list, and then, and then I'll probably be happy then, yeah. I reckon. And just a quick one, that, that was such a brilliant um, moment, that, when we did meet all of the, the legends outside the, the stadium in Madrid before yeah. the Champions League final, mainly because you became a kid on Christmas Eve, and, oh. you know, just couldn't quite believe what was happening. When I said, hang on, Gary Mavis up there, David Howes is up there, let's, let's go and speak to them, and you were a little bit like, Oh, oh, I don't know if I can. Well, obviously, because they're not—they're not my heroes. They're your heroes, right? It, it, it was just fun yeah. to have experienced that. 
it was it was extraordinary that whole thing. You know, it was Graham Roberts, like Paul Melu, we were lucky enough to meet before. Ricky Veer, Pat Jennings, Martin Chivers. Yeah. Um, and then and then there was some of the '91. You know, there was Steve Sedgley and David Howes from the '91 team, and Justin Edinburgh, yeah. who played in the Woolwich semi. And um, and uh, yeah, it, it was. And Cliff Jones yeah, as well. Cliff Jones was probably of all of those guys. Yeah. That was probably my favourite because yeah. I spoke to him for five ten minutes and he was just absolutely loving it. Do you know what I mean? Just yeah. loving being out there, being around the fans. He was another real gentleman. Yeah, and, 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 and you just say like your granddad and my dad maintain that he, he he was he's a better winger than Gareth Bale, isn't he? Yeah. So he, he always says that, doesn't he? The best Welsh Welshman to yeah, ever play for Spurs. Yeah. yeah. He's my dad's favourite player, so I've grown up listening to stories of Cliff Jones. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Well, that, look, that was brilliant, reviewing that season, hearing what it was like to, you know, from someone that was at every single game of a successful FA Cup campaign. So that was that was absolutely brilliant. Um, Stato, you're going to do a quiz um, with us in a minute, but you wanted to just talk about another quiz that you've taken part in this week. Yeah, on Sunday, um, Javad from the uh, Tottenham Hotspur family... <laughs> and I uh, teamed up to, to, to do the Dublin Spurs Tottenham quiz, which is hosted by Crackers from his yeah. uh, Spanish um, home, uh, most Sundays, I believe. Um, and we don't know where we finished yet, but we know we scored 73 out of 90. So we're particularly Ooh. happy with that. Um, <laughs> it was it was bloody difficult, I've got to tell you. Um, there was a like a sound round where, where he got ex-players or Spurs fans to phone in um, and you just had to try and recognise their voice. <laughs> and you were like, I mean, bear, bear in mind, he was playing it through an iPad and then it was on Facebook Live. I was then on a Skype call with Javad, so I was listening <laughs> to it through his Skype call. And, uh, I, I still think we did bloody well. We don't know the result. We don't know how else other people did. So we'll just wait to hear from that. So I'll keep you posted. But uh, I think we, we did the, the podcast proud. Like I'm sure you did. I'm sure you did, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, yeah so, that was good so fun. You've prepared a quiz for us to do today, so why don't you talk us through that? So the first thing I thought I'd do, completely before I looked at any any books or tried to work it out, was how many or who were the league debutants for Tottenham in 1991? Players that had never <laughs> played before. And I thought, well, that's going to be a bit tough on Jack. Your dad might be all right with it. Yeah. When I saw the list, and now obviously I've heard of all of them, but I might have got one or two of them, so I, I thought I'd spare you that. And I just <laughs> it's, it's Justin Edinburgh, David Tuttle, Ian Hendon, John Hendry, Ian Walker, and Peter Garland. Wow! And you Peter can see Garland. why probably I did the right thing by scrapping that. Peter Garland, I, I can't even remember that name if I'm honest with you. He was quite a talented midfielder, but I don't think a lot else came of him. Wow. So the Norwich game was um, four days before the Arsenal semi-final. Yeah. We rested almost everyone. Mm. Um, Torsfett only missed one game all season, and that was this. So Ian Walker made his debut, and his dad was in the dugout for the for Norwich on the, the bench. Norwich, yeah, Mike Walker. Um, and we, yeah, we basically played a bunch of kids, and Gaza started and played 40 minutes and then came off before half-time just as a little fitness test. You're like, well, that's not even, you know, this Wembley semi-final against Arsenal, you know, champions-elect. How is that a fair... But anyway, Amazing. that's what it was. So here's the quiz. I want you two to name the 10 kit manufacturers that Spurs have had since the double side. Oh, my word. Since the double side. Lyman. Right, so we've got um, 
So we can start with Umbro. Yeah. Kappa. Yeah. Come on, Jack. You can do the modern ones. Nike. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Puma. Yeah. All, all day I dream about Spurs. Adidas. Well done. Under Armour. Correct. Admiral. Yeah. We're doing pretty well here. Three to go. Um, You're looking 80s and um, mid-90s now. 80s and mid-90s. So then you're trying to think of the, uh, the, the, some of the bizarre kits that was out. You've said Umbro, um, haven't you? Yes. Yeah. Was there... Am I thinking a Hummel? Yeah. Hummel? Hummel. Hummel. Yeah. Sure. Um... One of them's French. Um, early eighties. Yeah, Le Coq Sportif. Correct. Well done. Excellent. That's a great shout. And then uh, we won a trophy in this kit. Late nineties. So the ninety-nine Lee Worthington Cup winning team. Yeah. And, that's the one. Oh God, what were they kits? And I'll tell you what, Stato, uh, if we weren't moving, I, I could cheat because I've got the picture up on the wall, but I've taken it down, so I, I can't like, remember. <laughs> I feel like um, to the logo, and it's... It, it, it's, it's the word, Jack. All right, I can't picture it then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's going to be annoying if we can't get the last one. It's, um, it's, it's rhyming slang to describe how their kits were in design. Oh, Pony. Yeah. Pony. 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 Because you've got all ten, I'm going to give you a bonus. Can you name all of our shirt sponsors? Oh. There's only seven. Um, seven? Is that, is that all? Yeah. So we, we've got the current one with the dreadful red shirts, the red sponsor, AIA. Yeah. So we've got Holson. Yeah. We've got... Um, Hewitt-Packard. Uh, Hewitt-Packard. Well done. Two spells. Thompson. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we had, the, Sorry. We, had, we had the season with two. So we had the South African company for the cup games. What are they called? The oh, Ingans. Oresma or something like that. Oresma. I think they're based in Cambridgeshire, but don't worry. Oh, what's that other cup? Yeah, there's another one, isn't there, called... They were just the cup sponsors, weren't they? How many have we got? We're not doing very well, are we? We've got one, two, three, four, five. There's oh, right. I missed one out. I'm just trying to think of. So I've been watching a fair bit of the Premier League years over the last couple of weeks. To, I'm no, just so you've got Hewlett Packard over there twice, and I've written them twice. So you're only looking for three more. Three more. Two um, more. I'm so bad at maths. Two more. <laughs> two more. So yeah, we've got. Yeah, it's the, the cup sponsor one, isn't Berbatov. it? What were the cup sponsored ones, Jack? Come on, I'm just come more up to so They were owned by Hewlett Man Packard. Mansion. You've got mansion. mansion. So we've got this one last one. And this is the one I'm thinking of. And they've got in part of their logo is like a zebra, isn't it? Um, oh, I can't think of it now. I'm going to be really annoyed. Gonna be really annoyed. Autonomy. Autonomy. Oh. Jesus. That's not bad, guys. For, for people who are not like blatant git nerds like me. Yeah. That's, uh, that's pretty no, no, I, I, I definitely haven't wrote any books about kids, so it wasn't a bad effort, was it? <laughs> well done, mate. That was well a great quiz. We've done well there. Very good. I enjoyed that. It's good fun. Yeah. I like quizzes that are hard, but you can near enough get them all. Yeah, that was brilliant. Um, to be honest, I, I've thoroughly enjoyed that whole pod. 
You know, listening to, you know, you talk so passionately about a season where it was successful, but it sounded like it was a classic Spurs season full of ups and downs, but, you know, an ultimate, you know, a trophy. Almost bankruptcy and win a cup. That's it. It's incredible, isn't it? But, um, yeah, no, I've I've really, really enjoyed it. We'll be doing another podcast uh, next week where we'll have another guest on talking about another season. When will you do your season, Jack? I want to know when you're going to do your special season. We want to hear from you. I might do mine next week. People get sick of hearing me, though. That's the problem. But I might do mine oh, next week. Never. Never, mate. <laughs> if, we can't, if we can't get anybody better than me, then uh, I might do my one next week. But um, no, it, it, pleasure as always talking to both of you. Um, great as always to look back at some old Spurs stuff. And remember, whatever happens, the future's bright. The future's lily white. Come on, you Spurs. Alan? The early attacking ideas coming from Tottenham. First time Gascoigne's been able to dwell on the ball. Faced then by Paul Davis. Tottenham seem to be finding quite a lot of space. But that wasn't the best of passes. But the challenge was a little late on Stewart. Mabbott has gone forward with Stewart to the right. Lineker and Howes to the left. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! That is schoolboy's own stuff. Oh, I bet even he can't believe it. Is there anything left from this man to surprise us? That was one of the finest free kicks that this stadium has ever seen. Seaman got his hands, couldn't hold Spurs. Have the lead. All times. Stewart. Enjoy playing in midfield. Stewart. Nice little touch from Gascoigne. Alan was onside. Plenty forward. Mavet trying to get there. Smith. It's gone in. Lineker got the final touch. Alan Smith was back in his own six-yard area, but that was the flick that did it. There, put Allen away. Howes was forward, Mabbott was forward, Smith was back, Lineker with a little stub toe. Tottenham are two up. Feel for offside, it's not. It's curled, Smith! He scored! Dixon's cross. Smith's head and Arsenal have got what they desperately needed a goal before half time it was a good cross Wind, I suspect, held it up a little bit Smith rose the highest and Torsford, who was quite close to his line found it beating him on his left side see what a difference uh, a cross at speed makes the goalkeeper just came hesitancy good tackle by Edinburgh Mavitz fed it well. Naeem to the left. Samway's ahead. And Lineker uses him by not using him. Good try, scored! And David Seaman will be very disappointed about that. It seemed to go through his fingers. Good break by Tottenham. Very, very good running by Samways that helped the opening. But I don't think David Seaman will be too happy. Look at the run he makes. And that gives a bit of space to Lineker to his right 
but the shot seemed to go through the fingers. Well, a poor soft goal, but as you say, Vinny Samways, look at his run there, takes ball, Tony Adams dives in, Gary Lineker gets a yard away from him, stretches for the shot, and Seaman appeared to get An both. example to any professional player, Gary Mavitz, and he's going to bring his team back here. Clever. Oh, that's a good little ball. Gary Charles was well forward. Definitely a foul. There's an injury there. Paul Gary Parker standing to his left, but Pierce possibly lining up a left foot shot for Forrest. to give Brian Clough's team the lead in the cup final and what Gascoigne did in the semi-final against Arsenal Pierce produces against Tottenham in the final superbly driven Gascoigne still hobbling after giving away the free kick from which Pierce puts Forrest into the lead it's the perfect strike following up here is Samways that's Allen's touch offside. Offside. Gary Minica put the ball in the net, but the linesman on the near side is flagging. It won't stand. The Spurs fans thought they'd equalised. So did some of the players. But there was a flag, and it was up pretty sharpish too. This is Paul Allen who makes it possible. Now, well, if you're level, you're onside. And I thought that Allen actually... Stewart. Oh, it's a good ball to Minica. A real opportunity here for Tottenham. Penalty. Now, what does the referee do about the goalkeeper? Minica has been brought down by Crossley. Spurs have a penalty, but in the Football League this season, referees have been sending goalkeepers off if they call it a deliberate foul to prevent a goal-scoring opportunity. I don't think he should be sent off because I think a penalty is a just enough punishment for an incident like that. And I hope the referee agrees with me. But Gary Lineker is the man who takes the Tottenham penalties and now on his shoulders, shades here of uh, the World Cup. And Crossley has saved it! And follows Dave Besant as a goalkeeper who saves a penalty in an FA Cup final. Extraordinary. making a superb save that's going to go down in Wembley folklore it's got a good shot of Paul Walsh there but here's Paul Allen and Paul Stewart with a chance for Spurs and the equaliser Paul Stewart scores and Spurs are back in the cup final the ball across to Paul Allen who really made inroads there Lineker was one side of him but Stewart was the other and Stewart coming in from the angle drives that with great accuracy and venom past the right hand of Crossley and into the far corner and Paul Stewart who scored Spurs first FA Cup goal at Blackpool in the third round and hasn't scored here comes Walsh that's looping a bit hit the 
believe his luck. The goalkeeper's injured, but this was a real looper from the left side by Paul Walsh over Crossley against the crossbar, and the keeper hurt as he fell behind the line. Well, how close can you be? In goes Stewart. Oh, a chance at the far side. It's in. An own goal, I think. I think it was Des Walker actually got the last touch. It went in off a forest player. And Spurs are in the lead for the first time in this cup final from the corner. the misfortune to put the ball in his own net to give Tottenham the lead it's never over until the final whistle Naeem has got the ball oh, it's giving it away straight to Laws and Spurs not distinguishing themselves in trying to keep possession they do better just to play normally I would think here's Walsh and there it is Tottenham Hotspur have won the FA Cup for a record eighth time and Brian Clough has failed at his 34th attempt with Des Walker's own goal unluckily for him being decisive in extra time their eighth FA Cup win takes them clear of Manchester United people interested in football and I always thought that football was a very important game but I never realized until today just how important it is. Whether the Wonder Boys of White Hart Lane are or are not the team of the century can't possibly be more than a matter of opinion. Well they're the finest team in Great Britain and one of the best in the world. We are about the glory of the game. We are about playing with style. We are Tottenham Hotspur. The curve of the ball, the billow of the net, the beating of the trap and the picking of the lock, the swiftness of thought, the lightness of touch. We are Ginola, Greaves, Klinsman. We are the collective gasp, the intake of breath, the flick, the trick, the 30-yard free kick. We are Hoddle, Mabbott and King. We are the lob, the chip, the dummy and the volley. We are the hat trick, the scissor kick. We are Bill Nick. That is schoolboy's own stuff. We are the outside of the boot, the inside of the net and those seconds that last forever. Van der Vaart to level it up. Raphael van der Vaart, 2-2! It's quite a game, isn't it always? We are Jennings, Defoe and Perryman. Glory past, glory future. What was, what is, what's next? We are Blanchflower, Ardelis and Bale. We are about winning with a flourish. We are about winning with style. We are about the glory of the game. Daring to try, daring to risk, daring to dream. 
to dare is to do.